Maybe. Maybe. Friday night, and I see Will Allred on my computer screen. That means it's time for Explain Yourself, and by the grace of the Geek Collective, we are here on Facebook and YouTube to talk comics with a range of creators with unique and interesting crowdfunding projects. Um, uh, I do think that, not to start on a somber note, but I think that when uh, the comics community loses somebody like Tim Sale, we, we need to have a moment to at least acknowledge um, what he did for for the community and what he did for comics. I am not as versed in his work as I wish I could be, but the name Tim Sale always said to me that this was an important book, Daredevil, uh, Yellow, Spider-Man, Blue. It, the, it, it always felt like if he was on a book, this was an important book story that marvel or dc or whoever was doing and i just i want to tip my cap that i'm not wearing yeah. um yes yeah, so raise a glass and there we go our our love and uh i never met the man uh, but love and uh respect for all of his work so all right if anybody, I, I don't want to take anybody's time away. If anybody would like to mention it, you can. You don't have to because I just sprung this on you like 30 seconds ago. <laughs> um, no one has to. Um, but uh, just, but we have crowdfunding uh, projects that are on and we are doing so in a crazy time, which means we're going to respect that and we're going to get into the books that we came to talk about um we've got four creators from three projects uh what we usually do at the beginning here is a 30 second pitch as if you were at a convention and someone was walking past your booth and you had to get their attention um i don't know who would do that for band of bards whoever would like to introduce the dark side of purity to our audience uh, okay, I, I, dem democracy is is strong here. I believe that is you, Tim. Uh, so, how would you get somebody's attention on the dark side of purity in about thirty seconds? Admittedly, my weakness. But um, if you're walking by. I'm going to ask if you've ever had some strong feelings on the patriarchy, and if not, why not come over and talk and check out this two possibly expanding to three volume, including an e-zine uh, anthology that has prose, poetry, graphic poetry, comics, mixed media. There's a lot of talent involved here. There are th about three dozen women and non-binary creators giving their thoughts on purity culture and the harms that it does to society. Awesome. 
All right. It doesn't, we don't have to decide. Uh, I'm going to go on my screen. John, uh, how would you get uh, somebody into Scorpio as they walked past your booth? Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely big for, for calling people out of the aisle as they're walking by. <laughs> kind of, you know, you kind of gauge their walking speed, you know? It's kind of <laughs> like if they're walking like just under a certain speed, it's like, all right, that's, that's, <laughs> that's someone, hey, hey, come over here. Let me, let me tell you a little bit about this. But, um, <laughs> But no, yeah, yeah. So usually I, I tell people that it's that it's a comic about twelve relics that are attached to each of the zodiac signs, and um, each of these relics have a protector. Um, and each of these, uh, based on your sign, you get a you get a different ability uh, with these relics. Uh, and the the story usually kicks off, uh, or the story does kick off with uh, with the Scorpio who is basically not accepting his call to his uh, protectorship for lack of a better word. Uh, so he's supposed to be protecting and he's not. And this, of course, incites uh, uh, lots of drama um, and, and gets the story going. So, yeah, that's like the, the very brief version um, before, <laughs> of course, they inevitably cut me off and asked me what their sign, <laughs> what their sign's power does. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. Oh, yeah, 75% of the time, I, I don't even get through what I'm talking about. They're like, oh, what does Taurus do? <laughs> in, the, in the deep dive, we're going to have to get to that. I want to get to that in the deep dive, and I want to get to the speed of the walker, because that is an <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's important about. at conventions. Uh, but real real quick, Chris Stevens, uh, the Golem of Venice Beach, if someone was going past your booth, how would you get them interested? Uh, I think I would tell them that the golem is the tale of an ageless golem living in Venice Beach, starting to question his existence, and illustrated by a murderer's row of Bilson Kevich, Jay Lee, Paul Pope. Uh, I would list all the artists, basically, but I'm not going to bore you guys with that right now since we're not actually selling anything here. But <laughs> we are, actually. See, look, I'm not on my game. It's a little uh, late for me. Yeah, no, it's uh, Bill Sienkiewicz, Paul Pope, Jay Lee, uh, Nick Patara, Steve Bissett, uh, Mike and Laura Allred, uh, and Vanessa Cardinale, who's doing a series for uh, Image right now called Slumber, and this is sort of her coming out party along with that. Yeah, no, it, it is. I I went through the list of creators on that page, and I was just like, I, I said I said some words that I'm practicing not saying. <laughs> um, they they were they were words of respect and uh, disbelief. But it is a murderer's <laughs> row of of comic creators. Well, oh, thanks. I you know what we kind of we kind of. Went, went in a circle there, so I'm going to say hi to the people in the comments, and then I think let's go into the, the Golem of Venice Beach first. We've got Shawnee is in the house. Hello, Shawnee. How are you tonight? Hello, and Joseph Michael, what's up, everyone? We are about to have a blast because we've got three great, great projects we want to talk about, and Ignacio. Ignacio is drawing while he watches and listens, so you know what? I feel like I'm making comics. It's rough out in Tucson, man. I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> I get a little crazy, you know? That you guys is, really need John to, to join you guys with that voice, man. That's a smooth <laughs> voice. I was like, I, I would have kept listening, you know? You that, that, the golden stuff, you know? That was literally the first, like, pink slip race that's ever happened during our show. So I'm really <laughs> happy that the good guy won. Because I feel like... Any time, man. It's a lightly thing. <laughs> All right. 
Well, I'm going to uh, pull up the page for the, the uh, Golem of Inich Beach, and I'd uh, love to talk about how this, uh, how did this project land in your lap? And if you could tell the audience your, your job on it, I, I've already read the page, so I know, but I'm going to let you uh, <laughs> sure, give us sure. the history of how you became part of this project. Sure. Uh, I got into freelance editing after having owned a comic shop and did some self-publishing that was fairly successful and made a few books for Dark Horse. And my role was never really uh, to be a full-on editor. But uh, when that stuff, we closed down the store and, and the press around uh, 2016. And I had some health issues. And uh, by the time I sort of wanted to get back in the game, uh, a few years later, 2019, I, I figured I'd try out uh, freelance editing, basically, trying to put books together. And Hanan Beiser, who is the creator and writer of The Golem, contacted me through a post I made on uh, in a Facebook group, of all things. But I guess that's kind of, you know, I guess that's how things get done nowadays. But yeah, uh, but yeah I just posted some of my credits, and uh, I'd won some Eisner Awards and mentioned some of the stuff I had done. Wait, 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 wait. Let's 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 not just kind of <laughs> zip like the motorcycle past. You won a couple Eisner Awards. Yeah, well, I made a book called Little Nemo Dream Another Dream uh, that was a fairly successful and got a lot of you know different awards and stuff. And a couple Eisners were were part of the package. So, yeah, and it had a lot of great people in there. Some of whom were in um, Golem. Uh, Bill Sienkiewicz was in there, and that was back in 2015. Um, people can still find it. I know Bud Plant has it. Little plug for Bud. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Nan had uh, seen my post and mentioned I, I made a couple books for Dark Horse called uh, Once Upon a Time Machine books. And through the nature of my work, although I hadn't made a ton of books, I'd worked with a million creators. And uh, Anon had come to me. He had the script for it. And he it said to me, and we joke about it a lot, but he'd said, you know, he, he really... Uh, he wasn't getting any younger and he wanted to make a splash and he wanted uh, you know a certain amount of firepower and once i realized he was uh, serious about it i you know i worked with bill before and jay before paul before and um reached out i think to i think to bill first and then and because i just when i read the script and there were scenes about the creation of a golem in 1590 prague i just thought I couldn't really see anyone besides Bill doing it if he would, you know. So uh, once he said yes, it makes things a lot easier. Other people start yeah. saying yes. Uh, Jay Lee joined in, and, and Jay actually wound up designing the Golem character for us, and then the other artists interpreted it through that design. Um, we found the uh, really amazing Vanessa Cardinale, who is the I like to call her the engine of the book because she she drew the main narrative and. It's very fair to say with all these great artists, the book wouldn't exist without her. So we found her uh, in the same group that Hanan found me, uh, a Facebook group called uh, Connecting Writers and Artists or something like that. And um, yeah, I and then the job was really to match up. When I read the script, it was a great script. We did some work on it. And it was just really about trying to match up. Hanan had some flashbacks. He had a prologue. And we wanted to surround Vanessa with artists we thought would really accentuate what she did and sort of elevate things and, and bring different touches to it, scenes that might not really deserve or not, 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 
not not deserve, but might not have room for a full scene in a book. But now we could show the Santa Monica Pier and have Paul Pope draw it and make it awesome. And and, and so, yeah, it's kind of how it came together. No, that's an amazing story. And yeah, it just you said it, a murderer's row of artists, but um, taking these disparate elements, you know, 400 year history yeah. and giving us 10 pages here, giving us, you know, I, I, from reading the thing, I'm guessing about six pages in World War II and present day, et cetera. And you, using different artists is such a unique way to tell the story. Mm -hmm. oh, well, thanks. Yeah, no, it was real fun to put together. And uh, to Hanan's credit, um, you know, he was very serious about the kind of book that he wanted to make. And luckily, you know, like I said, I'd worked with something like Steve Bissett was in my Nemo book. And uh, I see you're scrolling past his artwork. And, uh, you know, Steve is semi-retired, I guess you would say. Hasn't done a ton of interior stuff. Um, I know he did a SpongeBob story, which I love because I'm a SpongeBob fan. But, uh, you know, he hasn't done much besides that. But, we, you know, I, I had a good relationship with him when we did the Nemo book. And uh, luckily, he was able to come out and do. He wound up going from doing one page into a little two-page. We call it the Phantasmagoria because it's just kind of creepy and you have to kind of soak into it to really say what's going on here, you know. So, yeah. Did, uh, why did you let Bill uh, phone this uh, this image in for the cover? Sometimes you just give an old guy a break, yeah. you know. <laughs> like, hey, here you go, you know. Like, take it easy, and you know, you know. No, what a what a yeah. I, I've said to him before that, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's cliche and it almost sounds trite, but it's like that's a work of art. You know, it's, it's yeah. not just uh, a lot of great covers. Um, I, just backing up for a second, you guys who have the uh, the unicorn head cover, I said in an email to Kevin, that cover is awesome, guys. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, Heather Vaughn did a fantastic job on that. Yeah, that's a great cover. Love it. Yeah, no, we love that. We've got we've got some great art. All of, all of the projects have great interior and and cover art. That Absolutely. Uh, so, when you're working with you know an, an artist where this is his uh, a, a writer where this is his first script, um, was there a lot of work uh, catering his story into a comic form, or was it pretty much there on the page, or? Uh, how did how did that work with somebody who was coming into comics uh, with his first published comic? I don't know if he's written other comics before. This was Hanan's first uh, script, yeah, his first comic script, and he has a background uh, in 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 film and production. Uh, but this was his first comic script, and you know, outside of the fact that structurally we had work to do uh, originally, uh, you know, there was just things that we needed to move around and put into place but a terrific script. I've been doing a lot of this since me and Hanan started uh, three years ago uh, on Golem. I, you know, in the last couple of years, I've especially ramped up doing a lot of freelance. And I do work with a lot of new writers and his script wasn't really, outside of some structural stuff, it wasn't anything like a new writer. He really, he knew what he was doing. And, uh, you know, even the flashbacks and stuff that can be tricky in a, in a genre narrative, it can get a little unwieldy or, you know, uh, they were, it was, the transitions were kind of there in place already so he did a great job on it it was just all about finding the right artist to elevate different material where where do you go from oh this is my first script and by the way bill sinkevich is doing it i mean what, what, <laughs> next time I, mean, I imagine it feels pretty good right <laughs> <laughs> i think Kanan's in heaven yeah no and bill just actually um you know bill's pages have been done for a while but 
we're in the end. I'm sure you guys can all relate. We're in the uh, like get the files to the printer phase of things, yeah. you know. And uh, and and as Bill was doing that just a couple of days ago, his final files were. I mean, he even went in and punched things up, and it's like just a, it's like almost seeing a whole new batch of pages. So um, yeah, Bill's Bill. I mean, what a treat to have him. Seven interior pages. Uh, he kicks off the book with a seven-page prologue and a wraparound cover and. Uh, I think, um, yeah, there's going to be some, I, I know somebody's uh, showing off some of the, the uh, let's call them rejected covers just to make it sound scandalous, but <laughs> rejected covers are being shown off somewhere soon. So, yeah, yeah. great guy and just a great collaborator. And uh, as, uh, you know, as legendary as he is, he, he doesn't act like it one drop. So it's a real pleasure. Now, I, I have one story with him at a comic convention in Manhattan. It was way before New York Comic Con existed. It was at this hotel, and he, I, he was David Mack was at this table, and Bill was at this table. And I talked, talk, yeah, it was, it, there was some pretty good art in that little area. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's kind of like David and Bill was there, and my, my friend was a huge uh, Daredevil and Electra fan. So he's like, I got to talk to Bill. And I was like, okay, oh, yeah. you know. Of course, but we walk over and just you know, like at, at, here's the here's the deal. Everybody who hasn't tabled at a convention, if you're if you're not, you know, Bill, you really try to make your table really organized and gorgeous and in some sense of order. And if you're him, there's just artwork everywhere on top of each other. Stack of artworks and markers and you know. There yeah. might be a book. I don't know. I mean, there's artwork this high, and there's yep. this Electra painting on top of it and my friend really wanted it and so he asked me he's like well how much is that and and, and, and I, this is not not he wasn't being uh considering mm -hmm. he goes i like five thousand and then he went back to his conversation and i just stepped way back <laughs> away from the five thousand dollar painting because i figured if i spit i'd have to buy it and i did not have it but i was like it's so i was standing next to it it was so worth it there was no reason why it you shouldn't buy it for five thousand. but no i definitely backed away from now that you have all this point. podcast money you know yeah, you right. yeah. yeah absolutely this podcast money <laughs> as, soon, as soon as i get a time machine i'm going to take the 17 cents we've made and i'm going back there. 17 cents you're holding out on me man <laughs> But no, um, really, really excited for this book. It's a hardcover. I am assuming, um, but I will ask, is this a one and done? Is there a possibility of other stories in this universe? I think we're doing pretty good right now in terms of the campaign. And, you know, we have some things uh, in place. And I think if the book's successful enough and the readership enjoys it, that there would definitely be possibility to tell other tales in, in, in the world that Hanan created, without a doubt. There's a lot of characters people have come to know, and and um, and there's like this vast tapestry of time from from when he's created by Bill in the you know late uh, uh, whatever the 1590s, <laughs> uh, you know. So the, yeah, there's a lot of potential. Um, right now, it's it's all up to you know. Let's see how this one does, and if people like it, uh, I imagine Hanan would would enjoy trying to tell some more stories in that world. All right. Oh, you've got over 600 backers. I would enjoy trying to put, uh, you know, the same kind of uh, talent around it again. So it would be fun to do if it happened. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that, Barb. But uh, I, I'm excited <laughs> to see what you do. Sure. Um, Thank well, you. Let's, 
let's go back and, and we you know we went this way let's go back john let's do a deep dive into scorpio i'm going to pull up the page how did the the idea for this book come to you what was the earliest genesis of scorpio um yeah sorry i'm still like i'm still like thinking about seeing cabbage um <laughs> i'm just grabbing some coffee I'm feel, no, feel um, free feel free to tell any stories about about um any any positive stories about any any professional creator out there uh, we try to keep it positive so if anybody was a shithead to you we'll we'll uh, uh yeah. we, oh, we won't go through that but if they're cool you can tell them the only um, stories I have about Bill are bad, so it's, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so you can't you can't talk about them. That's no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but no, no. To answer the question, um, yeah, the idea was like, I don't know. It's like one of those things that kind of swam around for a while in my head. Um, and funny enough, I was never the big like astrological person um, initially. Um, I don't know. I might sound sacrilegious to people who enjoy the book or are interested in the book like what you don't even don't even like it that's uh, i i do but like it's it's my wife that <laughs> that was more <laughs> she's 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 more gung-ho about it right um <laughs> it's always like my wife she so she doesn't write like stories and stuff um but she can it's it's infuriating because she's always coming up with good ideas and i'm like write it <laughs> <laughs> um but anyways uh she she was you know, she's always talking about the zodiac and stuff like that, and um, I'm like, you know, you should write a story about this. She's, she's like, no, I'm not gonna write it. Like she says to everything, um, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not gonna do that that story. So I'm like, you know what? I'll do it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll ascribe something to this. And I, and I think what really gets me about the zodiac in general is just that everybody, like one of my taglines is everybody has a sign because everybody's always talking about, you know, Taurus are like this or Scorpios are like this or whatever whatever wife's always making jabs at me about being a scorpio and i'm always making jabs at her about being a virgo and stuff like that and um but then there's like this other like kind of supernatural element in the real in the real world you know what i mean like kind of like not real powers and stuff but like this this idea of you know you're like your horoscope you know a cosmic kind of a feeling right and i was like well what if we take that and we take it a step further in a comic book and, and put it like ascribe these mystical elements to it you know um and that's where that idea kind of kind of came from um so it started off i mean the concepts started off relatively simple hey zodiac signs powers basically your signs and then it, and then it quickly evolved into um a very thematic story about uh give and take push and pull faith belief uh there's a lot of introspection for each character um yeah stuff like that uh, a lot of there's a lot of internal conflict the, the external conflict is the, the cool flashy stuff but there's some very clear thematic uh through lines that start forming when you um when you're reading the story so yeah that's kind of where the idea initially came from where did the the uh, i'm going to give away a tiny bit of issue one uh mm -hmm. daniel seems to be the lead character in in the first issue and mm -hmm. he is the ceo of a high-tech security company um right. and a force is coming into his home and we find out that <laughs> that it's stealing this this thing that he really inherited from his father this power that right. he ignored and to to do the the uh the security for the the high-tech kind of tony stark thing he kind of wanted to be tony stark <laughs> and not uh 
uh, Shang Chi to to put it in Marvel. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> so where did you come up with? And what what interested me the most was that the little sister stayed with all of the fighting techniques that he had given up. So where did you come up with this family that seems right. to me to be at least in in issue one the, the focus? Right. Yeah. 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 The the Shim family is definitely an, an important family. Um, or or there's they have an important dynamic like their background is important um so danny was always going to be the guy who <laughs> some road rage going on no <laughs> no danny was always going to be the guy who shook the responsibility right he was always going to be the guy who who was like no no i'm scared of this because it's kind of like i think everybody has a little bit of, i don't know like or at least me i, I won't say everybody that's not really true i don't want to speak to everybody but me i think if somebody like slapped the a mystical weapon on my back and said, Hey, go fight celestial beings. Um I mean maybe kid me would be like, oh cool. But like mm-hmm. adult me is like, what? <laughs> you know, it's like uh I got a life to live, you know? Um right. and that's kind of his mindset. He and, and he's in I mean honestly that's part of the story. You're gonna actually learn more about that in issue three, which is part of what's on this Kickstarter. Um but but yeah it's it, it was very much like he was the denial of the charge. Marcus is more or less the aloof, like, I don't know what's going on type of person. And Amy, uh, who is the youngest, is ironically the most in tune with her spiritual side. And she's the one who is, who, who, uh, like, her, the, the, the dad trained all of them in martial arts, you know. Um, so Marcus, funny enough, uh, if you read the book, you see how goofy Marcus is. Marcus actually does know some martial arts. He doesn't really practice it, but <laughs> he does He does know some. And Danny knows, obviously knows, knows some. Um, the sister is the one who stuck with it because uh, she feels, without giving away too much of the story, she feels like she owes her parents in a, in a major way. And she owes her family legacy in a major way. Um, and you, you'll, again, you'll find out more about that in, in, in future issues, but um, but yeah, that's why that's why she's like that, and why she ends up saving her older brothers in that uh, in that first issue. Um, but yeah, yeah, like I think I think their family dynamic. Uh, somebody asked me recently, actually, on, on another show, um, why I chose to go with a Chinese family. Um, and usually, I like uh, like I, I got to be honest, like I usually default to black. I, I'm black, so I'm like, all right, main character's black, um, but. <laughs> That's the fault, though. Like, it, like, never, truly, ever does it stage. Like, whatever my initial default choice is, it, it does. I usually like. I, I I look at different possibilities because like, that's part of writing, right? Part of writing is well, what if this? That's the the what if question. What if they were, you know, this background? What if they came from this world? What if they were rich? What if they were poor? What if whatever? Um, and the what if of the of the Chinese American family hit because. Uh, talking with one of my friends who is also Chinese American um, and, and the values that, uh, so, so like Taoism and, and, and give and take and, and, and karma, like those concepts are really powerful um, in, in the Zodiac. And it's uh, also very powerful in, in a lot of uh, Chinese culture. So that's why I decided to go with that. And um, yeah, it, it kind of fit really well. And I, man, when I say I do a lot of consulting, uh, <laughs> I do a lot of consulting because I am not, Clearly, not Chinese American. Um, so, like, I, I feel kind of like a little bit out of my, you know, out of my area. So, it's like I, I try to do my due diligence and, and you know, uh, do the research and, and definitely 
uh, talk to people who do have that background to make sure that I'm I'm hitting things properly and stuff like that. So, no, that's that's very smart. How did you find your uh, the creative team around you, the 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 artists? How did you get your team? Yeah, yeah. So I just called up Bill Sinkevich and yeah. just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm returning my call, guys. <laughs> and it's just that easy. Right. <laughs> no, um so funny enough, uh it's I'm gonna so I, I both recommend in, in, in caution this place I'm about to tell you, and I'm sure you guys all know it. Um, deviant art. <laughs> um, I both recommend and caution it. I can't stress that enough. Before I was ever involved in comics, I used to commission artists on deviant art. Um, I've had many artists run off on me. I had uh, a couple people who weren't even even artists they were stealing other people's art. So that's the caution story for deviant art. The 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 positive story is that the vast majority of them are artists, and you know, obviously they're they're very good at what they do. Um, and I, I came across uh, Viviana, who's the colorist on the book, um, very early in the project. And yeah, Vivi was all in. Like at the time she was in, um, I, I mean, this is before we even started. Like this is obviously before we started, but like this is like back in 2016-ish, you know, so very early on. Um, uh, yeah, she was an animation student. Um, and she's still in school. And uh, she was like, yeah, I'll yeah let's let's I'll, I'll color some stuff um and she actually helped me find uh uh marco who's the main artist uh on the book uh you, in the first issue you see the the artist user in the second issue it's marco and it should be marco going forward um but yeah she helped find marco after that first issue and uh yeah like she's like she's been like super helpful like all the way she's super down she's like look no matter what else i'm working on i'm like this i'm always going to be on this like you know, um, as long as time permits, blah, 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 in terms of, like, me, like, rushing her. And I'm like, look, I'll never rush you. Like, you're good. So, like, I mean, now she's, like, big-time animator. Like, she's, like, working for – I can't even – I don't even think I can say some of the companies she's working for. Cause I, would, I would joke and say that we would edit it out, but we don't do that. And I don't, right, you, yeah, no. You would believe me? So don't say it. If you don't know if you can say it, don't say it. Right, right, right. But she's – Because we don't edit. Come on, man. Get someone in trouble. Go ahead. Get somebody in trouble. Is what I could say, uh, and I'm really proud of her. Like to to see to be working with somebody and see them like as a student, and then see them like just continue, like you know, go through the struggles of ah these submissions I got to do, just to get declined. You know, like the work the artists go through is absolutely like like that's that, that's why with more perspective, I'm, I'm like tangenting a little bit with more perspective now in the comic world. Y'all pay artists, man. Like anybody out there who's looking like. Don't do the thing where you're like, oh, exposure. No, 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 no. They, they do too much work to like for exposure to be a. a don't even propose it. It's 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 honestly an affront to even propose the idea. You know what, John? I'll jump in for one second, just yeah. for one second, if you don't mind. Is that cool, guys? Sure, it's yeah. just like open forum. Oh, open. All I would say is this, and 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 obviously. Um, if you, you know, the Golem book, the artist, you know, nobody's working for free in there, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but what I would say is this, I, I get a little frustrated when I see like the boards and stuff and the groups, and, you know, all, all the social media stuff and these debates, mm -hmm. because at the heart of things, you are correct. But I right. think that uh, there's been like a, a rush in, in a lot of society and especially in comics 
um, like, yeah, artists were underpaid for years. They're not anymore in general. If you're a working artist, you're not underpaid. You're making a pretty good living. Um, you know, if you can, you know, if you get a following and you can earn your publisher's money, uh, basically, or to just make your own following like so many people are doing. Spike Trotman never needed a publisher. She's, you know what I mean? She built her own little empire. But what I would say when you're saying like forget collaboration, my first Dark Horse book was 428 pages. Mm -hmm. And outside of a couple friends who came in and did a little something here or there, Mm -hmm. every one of those people was unpublished at the time. And they wound up getting writing credits or artist credits or a guy like Drew Moss goes on to have a long career at Image. Mm -hmm. And if they had held to what you're saying, None of them would have ever been in that book because there was no budget, even though it was a Dark Horse book. Uh, I don't know if anyone from Dark Horse is listening. Sorry, it was a long time ago. But, you know, they're, you know 32 bucks a page or something, right? So, you know what I mean? Um, right, right. Anyway, I'm just giving you a different perspective on it is all I'm saying. I would say right. never say never. Everybody should look out for themselves and make sure their situation is fair. But sometimes mm-hmm. fair can be just a straight up collaboration. And uh, I've met a lot of great artists that way. I, I did that with Ryan Otley when he was first getting started and, right. and um, you know, and I've had great artists uh, do it with me. So I would just say, you know, never say never. As I mm. say, every situation deserves its own analysis and merit. Yeah, right. I, I, I think that's totally fair. I, I do believe that um, if you're going to be working that way, you either need to be able to offer like a guaranteed something big like you're going to have a dark horse credit for the rest of your life or we're going to do a five page thing and then that's you know for an artist five pages do it uh, one saturday five saturdays in a row and we're going to put it out there um don't do what i did and my artist ludo were like well, we're going to do this book and then it'll get picked up by somebody and then we'll make money and then we'll split it, and you know, here we are, six issues. What's in. money, Evan? Yes, <laughs> six <laughs> issues. You guys in. Know what money is. <laughs> Ludo and I are trying to live in on podcast money, and I got to steal seventeen cents from Will to do it. Many of these guys have money though to get that unicorn cover. You guys have money <laughs> hidden somewhere to get that cover. That cover wasn't cheap. I I think that the most important thing is talk and try to be fair and try to give and uh, find value for your collaborators, whether that's monetarily or or whatever it is, but but be, be open and communicative. And if you do find out that you've made a mistake and do what Ludo and I did and go, wait, wait a second, there isn't money right now. So I'm gonna have to find a way to pay you and, and move forward and thank God we have Kickstarter, which is how I can, because if not, there would be no more of my books, but, um, when we're talking about books, John, how long is this series outline? Um, what, what, what's your dream for this series to go? Ongoing, uh, limited, maxi? What are you What are you thinking for Scorpio? Uh, yeah, so we're we're outlined. Um, I'm, I'm outlined at least twelve issues. Um, okay. It's definitely ongoing. Uh, you would have to do 12 with the Zodiac. I know. That's <laughs> oh, I have such a dumb question. <laughs> well, it's out. It's, it's going to, it's probably going to be longer than 12. It's okay. outlined to 12. Uh, like I know what's happening at least up to 12 issues. Um, and of course, whenever I'm, whenever I'm like actually doing the scripts, it stretches. Like mm-hmm. I, I just got done with issue four. 
I don't know how I thought the issue four was going to be issue four because when I like was in it doing it and I was actually writing the script, I was like, what was I thinking? This is three issues. Like, <laughs> so yeah, like it gets, you know, you get, depending on what's going on and your, your pacing, um, it gets stretched out, you know? So yeah, this is, this is definitely an ongoing book. Um, so it's, it's not like a mini series or anything like that. There's, there's too much, go- like you have 12 signs, right? So you have at least 12 characters. And then because we're dealing with relics, like I, like I mentioned earlier, so there's power ascribed to each of these relics. Um, the power is not ascribed to the person. So when people ask me, like, well, who's the Scorpio? And I go, it's, uh, well, Danny, kind of. He is a Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, so is Naomi, <laughs> who is the other lady you see. In you know, she's also a Scorpio. Um, and you, you, you find very quickly that in the story, we're dealing with, um, with uh, like, 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 battles over these relics. So you have people who are on one side. Who uh, I mean, well, initially they were they were protectors of uh, all of them were good, right? Mm-hmm. Relatively, <laughs> well, uh, in the course over the course of the story, you find out that they're not all good, um, and then you get guys who are on one side who are literally trying to kill, like the holder of let's just throw out a random like I don't know Aquarius. It's, it's not Aquarius, but I'm throwing out a random sign. They they're trying to kill Aquarius to give that Aquarius relic, like in this their case the Leviathan beads to a bad Aquarius on their side, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it becomes very much a, a battle over these relics. As soon as you lose the relic, you lose the power associated with it. And the other person who, you know, given that they have the correct sign, now has that power. So, awesome. um, yeah. I, I want to make sure if you are in the comments, please <laughs> put your Zodiac sign in. When we're done, we're gonna. John's going to tell us what the power for your Zodiac. Can you do that? Is right, that a yeah, spoiler? Yeah. Okay. No, so, no, it's fine. Yeah, okay. I, I tell people what their relic and the abilities okay. are all the time. Yeah. So in the comics, please put it in. But I do want to make sure we get to Band of Bards uh, because you know yeah. Yeah. we've got Tim and Cynthia here for that, and I, I don't want to to. I want to get all three projects in, and then we can come back and and talk about anything anything that comes up. So put it in the comments. I uh, and someone put in uh, Sagittarius for me because I I don't know how to. <laughs> I don't know how to comment myself in the thing. So, um, all right. Okay, so Cynthia, you did not do the 30-second pitch. So as I pull up the screen, (laughs) you are now on the hot seat. How did you get involved in the Dark Side of Purity anthology? Um, Our um, curator slash editor is Elise Russell, and she actually contacted me really early on and and pitched it to me, asked me if I wanted to be involved in this um, project, which would be basically women speaking out about our um, feelings and thoughts about the current um, societal atmosphere of purity culture. Um, that I mean, which, and all of us, there's more than 30 of us involved now, which is um, really, I would say exciting, except for it's such a dark topic. I don't think it's, um, I'm excited that there's so many of us involved because it's a lot of voices, but the topic is a tough one. And it was supposed to be something that came out in 2023, but we moved it up to now because of everything that's been coming out with um, losing women's rights and Roe v. Wade. Um, the, the hardest thing I think for a lot of us is because so many women have been um, 
I don't know. I mean, the Me Too movement brought a lot of it out for a lot of us. And we've all of us, almost all of us in the project have experienced some form of um, sexual assault or um, sexual harassment, um, inability to obtain a job or um, any type of thing like that. Um, and the, the entire idea around security culture is that the idea of a woman's virginity or, you know, brides have to wear white or any of that type of stuff is just how women are viewed in our culture. So we have a, we have a collaboration of poets, um, comic artists, um, um, and, and just prose writers that have just collaborated on this, these two books, which are full of just amazing pieces. Um, like, the comics are pretty incredible. The art is amazing. And I've read a few of the poems and they're beautiful poems. Um, the stories, I've read a couple of the stories, they're dark. Um, Elise told me that um, she's like, well, I could try to get a couple of the artists to do um, a drawing for your story. And she said they found it too triggering. <laughs> Apparently mm -hmm. my story is dark. Um, mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that comes from like my story when I wrote it. After she contacted me, I wrote it right away, probably in a day. And it's it's based in rage, just from everything that I've experienced in my life is this rage from everything. And just I just poured it into that story. So did you find I, it, did you find ahead. any comfort in in telling that story? Did it? get any of the rage out or is it just still because I, th I think it did. I, I think it did. I find, I find a lot of that comes out in a lot of my writing. Um, and I think, I think it's cathartic. Um, like one of, one of my earlier books was a, um, a memoir of my childhood. And, um, I thought that it would be cathartic to write that. <laughs> and I, I can't, I still can't go back and read it. Um, and but I but I think using using that in writing now is is much more cathartic. It's it's just more of a a focus on just how I feel and and things like that. And doing this and from what I've talked to some of the other creators, like we get on Discord and just chat things through. I think that a lot of them are finding it more cathartic too, just to channel their emotions into um, our art, you know our pose, our comics, our, you know, drawings, everything. So. No. You have some, some pretty amazing artists. I, I noticed uh, Rio, Rio Burton is doing like a seven or eight pager, right? And then mm -hmm. uh, Phil Hound, yeah. uh, Phil's a friend of the show and we love her. Yeah. Um, is there, is there a consistent colorist or a consistent letterer to tie in those comic stories? Uh, or is it just kind of each team handles that separately? Yeah, at this point right now, we've just had like some, I mean, individual artists doing a piece for, you know, separately. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know about letters, Tim, if we have anybody. Miranda Lason is handling a lot of the lettering and... Um... A bunch of coloring duties. So right now it is planned as a black and white comic, and cool. hitting full color is one of the stretch goals. Cool. Um, well, the uh, Kevin and I we we love letterers, uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I feel like 
if you're using a, a letterer pretty much for most of the comic stuff, it's going to add a, a mm -hmm. an extra bit of you know cohesiveness or you know connectivity you know to all those stories besides you know the, the obvious you know themes and, and yeah. things that are yeah. going on. Yeah, because the each comic story will obviously have its own feel <coughs> and artistic style. So having a consistent letterer or even just a consistent colorist, um, you know, provides that consistency or continuity uh, from story to story to help yeah. make if not feel so disjointed which can happen in anthologies um so uh, it's it, it's nice to have miranda uh taking on such a workload no it, it's it's nicer uh cat uh calamia and, and phil falco did that with by visibility they had uh taylor esposito lettered everything to to give it that cohesive but then I'm sure there are some that are so unique to the artist that you almost want a Fiona Staples feeling where the, the lettering, you know, it's, it's such a personal anthology that I bet you you're going to have, um, you're going to want to break that rule at times as well. Charlie Stickney just said about the dark side of purity. It's such an incredible looking project. It, it really is. I mean, it's, yeah. It's one of those projects that you wish didn't exist because uh, it shouldn't have to, but the fact that it does have to exist, I appreciate that you put the time and effort in. Um, how how were the teams brought together? I'm going to ask Tim. I, I I assume you have a little more idea on how the teams were were brought together for this. So how how did that happen? Yeah. Uh, so Elise. Um... Russell, who, who Cindy mentioned, she is one of our bards. We did sentience with her just, um, gosh, the months are all blending together, but a couple months <laughs> back. Um, we have a few more titles planned with her this year and next. And, and gosh, uh, probably for on and on and on with everything that comes from her. Um, this is something that she, if you listen to her tell it, it started as kind of her own personal project that she wanted to take on. Um, and as she's developed it gosh it's at least a year that she's been working on this um you know she decided to open it up to more voices more perspectives and you know that's when it became the anthology that it is now uh, and she started reaching out to so many different careers i mean the amount of work that elise did on this and just going out reaching out to folks um getting them to, to buy into the project getting them to come in and, and it, take on something that can be really challenging because you know since you mentioned you know her, her piece was a little bit triggering for some of the artists and, and I, i'm you know i'm going to go out on a limb and say hers probably wasn't the only one um mm -hmm. it it's not been easy to read some of this stuff you know myself the so uh, i ramble um so Lisa's we, we, we have been... no end we have no end time to this. We yeah, can, we can so go good. tell. So you good. No time. short answers with me. That's, that that thirty <laughs> That's second fine. elevator pitch was torture. Um, <laughs> so Lisa has been chatting with us uh, for for several months at this point uh, about the project, what she wanted to do, and you know, for me, a lot of this is quite personal as well, um, and and those stories aren't mine to tell. <laughs> They're, they're people who I care deeply about. So I, I won't really go into saying this person, this person, this person. But, you know, 
a lot of us know plenty of women who, who mean quite a lot to us who have been affected by these, uh, this violence and the culture that just covers it up and enables it. So it, it was something I wanted to jump on board with right away and use it uh, as a way to take a shot back, right? Um, it, it's a big project, obviously. It, it's something that was maybe not something that we were completely comfortable with as a, as a new comics publisher and knowing that some of it had to do with prose and poetry and putting together, you know, a, a regular book and not a comic book. And we're like, all right, well, we don't totally know how to do that. Let's maybe look and explore it doing like a co-publishing thing. Mm-hmm. Explored that, came back um, to the drawing board. And again, um, as Cindy said, we had been talking about doing this for like 2023. You know, give ourselves plenty of time to create a very cohesive plan, um, get a lot more of the work finished before trying to take it to a Kickstarter and current events kind of accelerated that. And over the last 30, 60 days, you know, all these attacks on Roe v. Wade, all these different, uh, bills coming out from all over the place. If you listen to the news, there's, you know, a few hundred anti-abortion bills. There's, a, you know, another few hundred, uh, anti-trans bills. Like, <laughs> You know, there's like, it's almost as if there's a dozen different bills of this type per state, which is insane. Um, I approached Elise, say, what do you think of the possibility? Is it even like practical and feasible to accelerate the timeline on this? Can we look, maybe look to do that this year? Um, Elise has her own private discord with all of the, the, the creators and we respect that space we stay out of it, Chris. Um, we have another one that we communicate with a smaller group of the creators and the publisher to coordinate everything. But Elise took it to the group and, and it was unanimous. Everybody wanted to move forward with it this year. Was like, okay, let's, let me take a look at our calendar and see what we have for space to, to at least, you know, not do a haphazard Kickstarter we still want to do a quality as much as we can even with the you know crunch timeline and they had a, a timeline uh, a window that we're in right now and we had a window like more in, in, in august september and everybody wanted to go at it right now so here we are um we have tried to communicate very well what this uh, project is all about the importance of it the um, Oriana Leckert from Kickstarter was really awesome in helping guide a lot of this because, you know, when I told her about it, she's all about it. She loved the idea. One thing to make sure you point out, you cannot take funds that you raise on Kickstarter to donate to charity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay. And she shared a couple of other campaigns that had done something where they used the Kickstarter to make production money and then future, you know, non-Kickstarter sales we're for charity so what we're doing with this book is using the kickstarter for production so all the printing costs um all the creative costs which a lot of the creators have have graciously decided to donate their work to to um help this book 
uh, be produced. Um, the artists are all being paid, and they were, um, again, very kind to kind of take, you know, ask for a little bit of a lower or reduced rate than what they normally would have been expecting. Again, this is a benefit book. So what we'll be doing then is all future sales uh, that we make will be all the profit will be donated to NARAL, which is a nationwide uh, pro-choice advocacy group. Um, been communicating with them a little bit here and there just to get the permission to use their logos and stuff like that. Because um, we'd like to be able to put that on the finished work. And yeah, so uh, I'm sorry, I ramble. No, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. no. I think you just gave us a history of the book, which is what we would, you know, like it's called explain yourself. So I'm really happy you're explaining yourself. Um, so um, Charlie Stickney uh, put in the comments: Band of Bards for sure is doing good books and projects worth backing. Everything Thanks, they're Charlie. putting out. Charlie's uh, been I'm, awesome and has has very um, generously backed uh, everything that we've put out so far. Um, you know, and, you know, how we, you, yeah. People have you know friends of the show like he's like the villain of the show Charlie, <laughs> you know that guy, uh, that guy, that guy, that guy. You know, I mean, he's too likable. So we've got to try to cut him down at his legs every once in a while. But we, we got to see if he likes golems in the zodiac. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> check his horoscope. We're losing, we're losing that battle with Charlie. Everybody seems to like him no matter what we say, but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, so how did Band of Bards come to be and what is Band of Bards mm -hmm. outside of this anthology? And I do want to get back to the anthology, but I saw that comment and I, I thought, well, what is this publishing collective you have? Sure. Yes. Another long answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, poor Cindy. <laughs> Listen to me. Um, shortest way I can say it, right? Uh, this is something that kind of popped into my head in like 2015 2016 i had finished up grad school um was moving on to the day job that i still have and one of the things that had been simmering in my mind and had been turning over is a way to bridge a civil military divide that exists in american culture um i'm an army vet i i get really bent out of shape over the representation of like um military service and veterans in mass media right there's no shortage of representation but it's all pretty much shit representation right you've got you know christ i i was watching tv earlier and there was another movie involving navy seals and then like some other amazon series that's coming out all about navy seals and it's like that's all it is right if, it, if it's about military stuff it's bang bang shoot them up really cool special forces or navy seal stuff whatever like that's less than one percent of the people who really serve um the only mili the only military show that i've ever believed to be true is uh gomer pile close <laughs> i mean you're really dating yourself there <laughs> but i didn't say the most accurate um Movies and TV shows that I can tell you would be MASH, the TV show, not the movie. Um, the movie's kind of fucked up. And then the, the most accurate movie would be uh, Stripes. 
Really? Up. Would not have expected <laughs> yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe Mash didn't shock me, but Stripes kind of. <laughs> yeah. No, Stripes is on the money in a lot of ways, um, especially with the dumb shit that privates do. <laughs> um, gosh. But sorry, that that's what we Chris and I started working on. Is I was like, hey, why don't we? What would be feasible? I I got the business background. That's I have a history degree, and then that didn't do anything for me. So I went back to grad school, got a you know business degree. So I got that side of it. Chris is the artist. He, like he did the logo design. He does a lot of the in-house logo design, book production, uh, design all that stuff. So I asked him. And, and, sorry, caveat. Chris and I grew up together, same hometown, played hockey together. Like that's how we knew each other. So, you know, I asked him how, what, what, how difficult would it be if we wanted to like interview vets, log their oral histories with, let's say, the Library of Congress and have like an academic piece to this, and then take those and make like a graphic novel anthology, you know, a couple times a year. Um, cool idea, right? Very niche and a lot of things were going on with both of our personal lives at the time that just like that that idea didn't flesh out but we continued to talk about it over the years and during pandemic it really you know like like a lot of people it's pandemic let's do something new um we came back and decided you know the heart of that original idea right was representation and mass media and how so many different groups in society especially marginalized groups um they just they get such terrible representation and you know you get very tropey representation that tends to be like one or two different boxes that each person would fit into and that's it you know it's very sterile and all it does is can serve to continue to divide people you know it doesn't storytelling should be about building bridges creating empathy showing you know one person how someone in another part of the country lives or another part of the world has to grow up right because we all exist in our own little bubbles whether they're self-imposed or it's a bubble because i live in buffalo so there's a bit of a natural bubble there of living here that i think everybody you know treats drinking and driving like a sport which is pretty typical around Western New York. Um, turns out that's not really the case, and I didn't know that until I left Western New York, that not everybody had such problems. <laughs> so, don't, don't go to Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it seems to be a Great Lakes problem. That's what I've come to, to understand. I, I think that it's a cold problem. If, yeah. if, if it's always <laughs> four degrees, you're going to want to drink more. I, pretty I, much. That that That's what it is, right? And <laughs> when I got sent to a bunch of places in the south i'm like you all think that i drink too much <laughs> I'm like, i think you're all weird if, yeah, yeah if you drink too much for the south I, you might want to chill just a little yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i have quite a bit as i've aged um but so that evolved and we're like this is what we really are trying to get at is you know and for me and my part vets in this country get a soapbox for good and for bad so why not use this bit of a soapbox to get a stand on so i might reach all six foot that way and use it to 
create space for other voices. So that's what came to be with Band of Bards. And we put a lot of research in it. I don't want folks to think that, like, we just came up with this great idea and we're like, yeah, well, cool, let's uh, just go do this, go to Kickspender and uh, bro down, you know, like the underpants gnomes in South Park. Like, we, we put a lot of hours of market research understanding uh, as best as you could how publishing works in comics because, you know, there's a lot of very, you know, a lot of proprietary information that you're just not going to get at and you have to extrapolate a little bit of it and you have to kind of just get out there and talk to retailers about different things. And, you know, we studied so many different other independent publishers, you know, kind of looked at, okay, what can... What makes up the top ten publishers? Well, let's take those top three out of the picture. Yeah. <laughs> look at look at the uh, others, and then look at like who's maybe about to crack into that. And imagine well, if we want to try to be at that cusp mm-hmm. in, w- within five years, what would that take? What would that look like? Um, Scout was certainly a, a company that we looked at in detail. Um, Vault was another one. Uh, gosh, we looked at Dark Horse just to understand their story because that's it's a lot of the same kind of um, background as far as I understand it and how the how Dark Horse kind of started off with. And, and obviously after 30-some-odd years, they, <laughs> they've, they've done quite a bit. And it's just amazing to see how many different approaches there have been to making your own path in this and that was kind of encouraging to us because we certainly are not trying to just copy what other folks have done we want to see what worked well for others um what maybe did not work well and what to avoid and you know kind of just make this our own image of what a comic book company should look like And, and one of those things was what would a employee owned publisher look like um, because myself, I'm a union guy. Um, I've been a teamster before. Um, I'm AFGE now. So I, that's important to me, right? I, I am excited for the idea of band of bars being very successful and in the next you know handful of years, being able to hire some employees and to have them become unionized employees in, in the comics world. That'd be cool. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that you're kind of building a place for people's voices that don't necessarily have to be your own. I, that, that's what I'm sort of hearing from this anthology and, and what you put together. And that's kind of, that's very commendable to kind of build that, that platform. Yeah. There's well, enough voices like mine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a question. Me, me, me and Will. Yeah. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> I have a question for uh, Cynthia. Uh, mm-hmm. Your your contribution is is actually prose. It's not a comics. Uh, right. Is that right? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, right? I'm curious. Have you have you considered comics, or is there something that uh, do you? I mean, obviously, you feel comfortable in prose. Is there you know, so, is comics something you maybe want to try in the future? Um, I actually. It's funny because I mean, comics was something I, I used to read a lot, but I mean, as an adult, I kind of like moved away from them. 
Um, and I, ha I mean, that's probably the one area I really haven't like tried yet now as a writer. Um, but it would be interesting. I had actually thought about talking to Elise. I know she's a writer of, of comics, and I would talk thought about talking to her about like, well, how did you get into that? And you know, because I know I think um, Danny is the one that she works with for art. Uh, well, if you need an yeah. editor, my friend Chris Stevens knows a lot of really amazing <laughs> artists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be interesting to try to talk about like, how did you get into that? Like, what's the technique she comes up with for storylines? You know what I mean? Because yeah, it would be fun to like try to 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 do it. You know, it's not it's like the one area I haven't like tried. I've tried all different genres. You know, I kind of tend to stick to horror and and stuff like that. But it would be, it would be neat to try. I think it'd be fun to try. You sounded, uh, you know, you were very passionate when you were speaking earlier about your, you know, what the book is to you and your part in it and the other people. And I would just say, yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you when you were saying it, but keep, keep, just keep, it's, you know, the dam doesn't break all at once. Keep writing, keep making your stuff, you know? Uh, I think that's, it was, uh, it was uh, inspiring listening to you. So keep, Thank keep you. making stuff, keep, keep, keep rolling that rock. I do appreciate that. Yeah, that means a lot. Yeah, I'm definitely, yeah, passionate about writing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I felt the passion, so. Yeah. yeah I, was, I just also wanted to say, uh, real quick, if I can. Uh, yeah, this project. You know, like so, writing writing comes should should come from a place uh, that is profound to us. You know, it should come from a place um, that is it should mean something. You know. Um, and clearly there's a lot of passion for good reason with this project. And then not just this project, but um, the ex explanation of how uh, the, the group was created uh, was, is Band of Bards, correct? My yes. Yeah, Band of Bards. Yeah, the, the way that group was created, even that's from a place of passion, you know, um, looking to explore different perspectives, especially the, the military. But I'm, uh, I was in the military a short time, did my... You know, I was, I was probably one of the dumb privates. Um, <laughs> um, That's okay. I was I was probably with a lieutenant that you would have cussed out. I, I quickly got specialist and then stopped getting the dumb private rep. But <laughs> um, but uh, but I did my I, I got out before I went sergeant. Um, I did go to the board though. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I went I went to the board. But I was they urged me to go even though I was getting out. Uh, but I was like, you know what? I'll do it. So that I could do it, you know what I mean. Um, since I'm, I'm bouncing anyway, but um, but no, like that passion of the, the formation, the, the, like there's just so many different intersections of of of, of uh, what is it? Uh, I guess demographics, backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you got different cultures, whatever, like race, race based. Um, We've used the term uh, social groups. Yeah, like, social groups. Like, yeah. like, it, that's one thing. Like, well. Sexuality doesn't cover it all. Like race isn't all. It, right. There's so many different things. And like demographics sounds like you're in a marketing class. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at social groups. I like that word social groups. It's like a lot, lot of intersection. Because even even me being black and then being military, right? Like that's its own intersection. Hell too. yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like it's you know, um, I mean there's there's the you know getting pulled over by a cop. And <laughs> not not saying that they come to to me angrily or anything like that, but they, I, I get pulled over. And as soon as they see my military ID, the vibe changes completely, mm -hmm. right? Unless like, you were in a military town, and then uh, they right. really yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. That's true. Oh man! <laughs> but um, but it, them assuming I'm I'm a civilian and then see my military ID, then like the vibe changes, you know. So there's like a lot of different. Like I, I like that the the group is formed to like explore these different 
to uh, I guess social groups. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Thanks. Yeah, the, I that's one thing I understand too because like my husband is ex Navy too, and he always says that about movies too. Like he's like that is so inaccurate. Like we watched, <laughs> went to the new Top Gun movie, and you know he's like saw about Navy pilots and stuff, and he was a green shirt on an air an aircraft carrier and he's like that would never happen <laughs> all the time yeah actually his, his carrier was the kitty hawk oh wow which just arrived in texas and they're tearing they're decommissioning and tearing it yeah. down wasn't the kitty yeah. hawk used in one of the movies um i might i don't it, they might have a shot of it i think it yeah. might have been a shot of the carrier group yeah and then like the first one, I think, but it's and, not, yeah. And the, these tropes are so dangerous because it's so easy to see something in books, movies, TVs four or five, six times. And mm-hmm. that's literally then what you write. I did the, the latest script I wrote had, uh, you know, a crime scene. And I wrote, you know, a chalk outline on the floor in my script. And my editor wrote back. I don't think this actually happens. <laughs> and, and I was like, what are you talking about? And yeah. she sent me the, the information and no, there is no chalk yeah. outlines. They yeah. only time anything like this ever happened. They would put some tape down to show um, newspaper photographers where the body was, but that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with crime scene analysis. Yeah. <laughs> so I had written something completely inaccurate, completely wrong, because why would you put something on every TV show I've ever seen? I don't watch CSI. Maybe that's my problem. <laughs> Maybe if I watch CSI, I would know. But, you know, and that's yeah. in, in the, the, the big scheme of things, that's not as important a mistake as some of these other tropes we're talking about. But it's illustrative well, of how easy it happens honestly sometimes it can be dangerous because if you look at like mm-hmm. every medical show every show where somebody like their heart stops and a person is in flatline they shock them that's so fake that, that you never shock flatline. Mm-hmm. you do compressions so, like the, mm-hmm. the fact that they do that like if you went and got like um no it's adrenaline to the heart i know this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do compressions <laughs> Sessions because flatline means the heart is stopped. If you shock, you cannot shock a heart back into rhythm. Mm-hmm. You have to do compressions. I was I was an RT for ten years. I was a respiratory therapist for ten years. Well, and... if, if if you don't mind the uh, the pun, you know that's just not as electrifying. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Right? Yeah, but the thing is, like, if so, if you were at, if you were at a place where a person's heart stopped and you you like checked them and they had no pulse, they could die. Yeah, like, you know, they could die if you didn't know what to do correctly. You know, like, and I've been at the hospital where somebody flatlined and people were like, wanted to shock them. I'm like, you work in a hospital, <laughs> like, you should know, you should learn compression. Yeah, so same thing, like these tropes. And it, the worst thing is, it does happen for women too. Like, when people see things in movies, like where if you ask the girl out and she says no, you just ask again, just ask again, just keep pursuing her. Oh, Sean Connery, her. James Bond. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, 50 knows you know, yes, yes, yes. No, yeah. like, it's not going to happen. He I, I, says no, walk away. No, but it does happen. So. We, ju- we just watched a comedy set right before this show. It's actually Kev on stage's comedy set. He does, like, his uh, keep your distance comedy show. Um, and they were talking about the, the thing, like, the, the last guy set was about how guys are creepy. And he was talking about old school love songs, how in all the old school love songs, 
they just like kind of creepily go after the girl or they imagine this relationship that's not even real in their head for the girl right. and the, yeah. it's the whole love song it's not even real like it's the you know i see you i'm watching you from my window and <laughs> the police and yeah that's like, the jam you know but it's like yeah. actually when you listen to those lyrics that's really creepy man <laughs> i mean you know, watching... <laughs> with, with the tropes it can go a big spectrum between like just kind of silly goofy stuff like the chalk outlines or it could serve to just very easily otherize different groups and when you go with tropes that borderline on very destructive and harmful um stereotypes right you know it's the kind of thing where if you don't have the personal first-hand experience with a, a group of individuals you start to buy into the different things that your friends will tell you about them and that's when you start thinking that like every military vet is a colonizer mm. but or, you know, I don't know. That's where you get things where people are convinced that trans folks are walking into the bathrooms uh, that they shouldn't be going into to, like, be perverts. And you have all these bathroom bills and all the fear-mongering, rap, you know, coursing around something like that. And it's like, just go talk to somebody different than yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go read a book written by someone different than yourself and understand how it is that they had to grow up in, you know, America or, you know, in another part of the world. It's the whole point of literature is to see the world through someone else's eyes. I would be, well, I think, that's the point of art. Right. You know? I was going to say, I think honestly, like, that's one of the thing I really like about our anthology is, like, you were talking about a social group. I mean, we have... 30 creators and a large number of them are not from the United States, Mm -hmm. which is fabulous. I think you're getting the viewpoint of women from around the world. Yeah. um, Here it's all around the world. It it certainly is a topic that serves to illustrate the intersectionality uh, of, Mm -hmm. you know, harm being done. Um, and you can apply that in a lot of different ways, right? Purity culture, systemic racism, their power structures, their tools of power structures that are used to keep other people at the bottom and, you know, admit people at the top in the, at the top in the club. And these people in the middle are kind of being teased, thinking that they can get into the club, but they can't. Yeah. Or, or they're they're allowed in the club, um, but security is watching them for one mis, misstep, so they can be escorted out immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's honestly there's so many levels to it. There's the, there's a the very serious level, like what Tim was just talking about, you know, where you're actually harmful, like you're you're you're, you're misleading people with things that aren't true, and then there's just then there's just the the creator level, like you're going to take somebody out of a story if something's not accurate. Like if we're using, I don't know, it or what's it's easy. Cause I, I work IT, uh, mil- <laughs> military, military. Me too. Yeah. So like, so like in the military world, like, uh, I don't know. Like I, I don't, there's a, there's a lot of military shows where they do like, who are, where they're trying to be like kind of middle ground between lighthearted and serious. Right. And some of the scenes are just like, really, there's certain things that are really cringy. Like, uh, like, 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 that, that you wouldn't know unless you had done military or at least spoke to some military people like calling your 
like you never call your weapon a gun like for example you know what i mean <laughs> so like when i see, i'm watching a show and they, and they they say give me a gun a military soldier saying give me your gun it's like what or walking outside with your pc off or calling your pc a hat or <laughs> or you know walking with like military soldiers walking with their hands in their pocket and, and granted some things may have changed since i've been in so maybe some of that stuff's allowed now but i, I was a big advocate <laughs> of hands in pockets uh well, and, well, well, and, and walking on grass well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like there's certain things that are just cr- like the weapon one was one of the biggest cringe things for me, and it's it's a little bit of a culture shock because I guess the the police are a little less like the military than I thought because I work with the police. I work for City of Sandy Springs and here down here, and um, the police call their weapons guns all the time, and I'm just like. Mm-hmm. That's so weird. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, hey, we're going to clean our guns. Mm-hmm. I'm like, your guns or your weapons? You know, so it's like little little nuances like that that, are, that you just wouldn't know unless you were a part of that social group. You know what I mean? Um, well, or if you talk to them. Where you then get into the dangerous part is when you've got that those movies and that media where you've they're out acting like a bunch of reckless cowboys, right? And you've got mm-hmm. cops looking at that and be like yeah that's what we gotta do we gotta be like that and there mm. it's, it's a simulacrum of, of the real thing being portrayed by hollywood and then mm. your actual real cops are going out and being jackasses because that's what they see on tv and, and then you've got other grifters going around the country doing military or doing police training feeding them that kind of garbage Right. And now, oh, yeah. and and then you've got the massive problems that we have in this country because yeah. of that. Well, we and then you watch okay. the, the propaganda. You know, there's a the tremendous. I mean, what's the, what they they call it is you know propaganda, where you know police are always right, and that's not even close to being the case, unfortunately. Except for any uh, police that work with John, um, yeah. we're sure that you guys yeah. are all. Great and perfect, <laughs> and John didn't say that. Uh, some guy in Arkansas did. Um, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I will, I will say from from what I see. I mean, granted, so not to get into the whole police blah 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 <laughs> thing, but like to be fair, I'm sure in, in most cases, be working with them directly. I'm the IT, I'm just the IT guy to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm. Oh, it's IT. They see me. Hey, what's up, IT? You know. <laughs> um, and it's just kind of like you know we're. They, to me, they seem, you know, they're, they're cool. But anybody could seem cool until you're in that stressful situation. So mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah, yeah, know, exactly. Who knows? And then, like, what to mention about the uh, about the training, the guys that go around do the training. Oh man, like this, the stuff on that is actually scary. The stuff yeah. that they, the culture behind it, mm-hmm. they're teaching them this stuff, man. It's mm-hmm. like it's part of the culture. They're teaching them how to how you. Uh, like once this person does this then you treat them like this like immediately yeah. they become like subhuman and i'm not talking i'm not just talking about white people i'm talking about a criminal like at this point this person is a criminal and once they're a criminal you get to treat them like subhuman now yeah. it's it's crazy like yeah. and it part of it comes from we were watching dirty harry one of the dirty harrys i don't know if it's the actual one called Ooh. dirty harry oh man where he's... you're gonna trigger me now <laughs> yeah, he's he's going after the serial killer, and he finds him, and the guy won't say anything, so he just beats the tar shit out of him. Just yeah. beats the tar shit out of him, and and finally the guy tells him where the body is, and uh, so he goes. They find the body of the 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 you know the victim, 
and uh, the lily livered DA comes in and is like, you tortured him. We've got to let him go. And then the guy goes on and kills like nine other people. And the whole point of the movie is this cop who, who tortured somebody and did break 19 laws in torturing him. But the guy, the guy was bad. He's a killer. But it's the lily liver DA that let him go and not, and it's just like this insane, if you watch it with a lens of this guy's held up in the eighties as the greatest cop that has ever been. And you're just watching him just beating the crap out of a, you know, and torturing somebody. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's insane to watch. And, uh, and I'm sure there are some little kids that grow up saying, I want to be, Dirty Harry when I get older and hopefully they learned that's not right by the time they got their badge and I'm going to leave that comment at that because uh, some people learn and some people don't. You've got you know a whole generation of men who are raised watching Clint Eastwood and John Wayne you know going around acting parts on a screen that they had no clue about themselves mm-hmm. you know john wayne did a great job of avoiding the draft of world, in world war ii in korea <laughs> yeah. you had a lot of actors who went and actually served and then didn't make a bunch of bullshit movies being paper tough guys you know clint eastwood served in the army and managed to keep himself stateside during the entire korean war um yeah. i served with guys who in, in an ironic twist you know stayed in korea while we were in Iraq and Afghanistan, and, and we laugh about how they had been extended there time and time again to, to dodge combat. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I got to put my hands down because I'm shaking, and you know, the, the anger over those things still resonates. And, and with the real harm that then translates into society is that you've got so many boomer men who were raised by watching those guys and thinking that is the epitome of manhood and then tried to emulate it. So they're basically being wannabes of wannabes. Mm -hmm. And then they try to raise their sons just like that too. And I tell you, it doesn't really work out too well, (laughs) especially when a lot of the, those boomer men did what they could do to avoid their own war while still trying to talk about being tough guys. You know, you had your opportunity. You, you, you didn't follow through on it. It's, you know, you don't get to continue to lecture other people about what being a man and being tough is because you are the absolute opposite of that. Well, it is 1224 on my end. I have really <laughs> enjoyed this. I know some people are probably tired. Some people are probably hungry. Um and I could probably stay talking to you guys till about 4 a.m. my time, but I know other people have things to do. I do want to, I think I only saw one uh, in the comments. John, what power set does an Aries get for Shawnee? I had the same question. <laughs> so uh, Aries is relic is the Caliburn, which is, uh, which is the, uh, it's, it's another term for the Excalibur. So, um, so depending on your depending on your story, depending on your take, depending on the world. In this world, it's called the Caliburn. Um, so way back when um, when Ares, or sorry, when Arthur <laughs> picked the get the sword from the from the stone, 
It just so happened that he was able to do it because he's Aries. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, that's that's clever. I love that. Right, right. So it wasn't because he was the chosen one, but he was <laughs> he happened to be the most worthy Aries at the time and the most spiritually in tune Aries. So I guess you could say he's worthy in some ways, but he, he had to be Aries to pick it up. Uh prior to that, his one of his knights, Gareth, had picked it up and realized he did and then put it back. It was like <laughs> crap <laughs> um <laughs> but anyways uh gareth uh, after some things happened to not spoil full backstory after something happened some things happened uh gareth picked it up and he became the herald of of aries um when you hold the relic you are immortal uh like age age wise you're immortal uh, you can still be like killed <laughs> but uh <laughs> but you're uh, uh, i guess you called it age of immortality or whatever um yeah. but uh, yeah basically the the holder of the of the relic is they became they become more uh, physically strong and more uh, invulnerable the longer that they hold their relic. Um, so that guy's had it. The current guy has had it for over a millennium. He, uh, you can nuke him and he's and he's fine. Uh, he's, right. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I, I think you have to like do something clever, like drown him or or shoot him into space or something to kill him. Like because physically he's unharmable and and. and Strength-wise, that's pretty, you know, and he, he can do some hope level type things. You know? so, yeah. Well, well, I need to know what I need to know what Leo is then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Leo has the lion's heart, and Leo has flame-based powers. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. That does it for me. That takes care of me too. So guys, <laughs> my wife just got home from work, and I should probably go and, and be a good husband. So right. I really enjoyed this. I, I look oh, I, great so. to meet you guys, and uh, yeah. your campaigns are both going right now. Yeah. Maybe maybe Kevin, maybe you could send a link, and uh, you know, would oh. that be cool afterwards? I will absolutely email links of, of the campaigns that are running. Absolutely. Awesome. Right. Thanks so much. It was great to meet you. Hey, I got to ask really you, Will. Good. Will, are you Mike's brother? Uh, no. Uh. <laughs> oh, man. You want to laugh? These guys set me up. Well, I'll leave you all with a joke. <laughs> well, it's when, funny when because my reached, son's name is Mike. So When they reached out to me and said, hey, this podcast – and they said it's Mike Allred's brother, and Mike Allred's obviously in the Golem book, right? <laughs> so this afternoon, I sent him an email, and I said, "Hey, Mike, I'm doing a podcast with your brother Will. Give me a couple zingers I can use." And I'm sitting here as the show kicks off, going, "Damn, he never replied." Well, now I know why. Now you know why. <laughs> Probably instantly related, I, but I want to. I, I want to very clearly state I did not. I did not say that but 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 I can but I will if that is the only way we got you on to talk I'm gonna take it and and appreciate it anytime you want man this is great and I really look forward to checking you guys books out a little bit more when likewise and the links are over so this was great sorry I got wrong but you guys have a great night yeah you too thank you thanks for having me yeah oh that's that's really funny No relation. Although, yeah, my son, I named my son Mike, not after Mike Allred, after somebody else, but yeah, yeah there you go. Oh, that is really fun. I bet that is, I bet they're like, yeah, well, I, I mean, it's in relation. Oh, wow. All right. Well, we'll take it. Um, uh, my my co-host for next week is uh, somebody who has a last name, Snyder. Um, <laughs> uh, um, like we lost Cynthia as well. I yes. Mean, nice to meet you, Cynthia. And uh I'm going to ask about Sagittarius because, I mean, come on. I got to do it for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Sagittarius Relic is a little bit different. Um, yeah, we are. The, we are. <laughs> <laughs> they call it the Ethereal uh, Mist. Uh, so they're not even, it's not, it's a, in gaseous form, right? Um, that's and... very true. And I think that that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an idea that Sagittarius, if they want, they, Sagittarius don't like to be bothered or, or when they don't want to be bothered, they are, you know, they're, they're very kind of like, I won't be bothered. Like, I, I just won't put up with you. Um, so that's that's why they have facing abilities. Um, that's what the ethereal mist give them. And actually, the um, the the current herald, uh, her name is Queen Almasi. She was uh, I won't give her an entire backstory, but she's also very old, way back, freed her people from slavery, and then went around freeing other people from slavery, and um, and they continue to do that throughout the years um, <laughs> uh, with her abilities. And uh, but yeah, she keeps her the ethereal mist like in this little bulb. And she infuses them with these African lotus petals, and she's just like smoking them all the time. So. <laughs> you know, I like that mist superpower because I mean, it's not you can almost kind of actually do that in real life if you eat a lot of kimchi. Yeah, no <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah this little gaseous exit. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's more the other people exit you, but but this, it's the same. See, right. I, right. When I was yeah. having a bad day in Korea. I would have a lot of kimchi at lunch, and the office that I had to share with like six other guys would, oh. would be all to myself. Oh, <laughs> that's a way to clear them out. Mm -hmm. uh, that's awesome. Well, well, hey, what are you, Capricorn? I am a Capricorn. Yeah, Capricorn. Actually, she's already shown up in the book too. Uh, the other ones that you guys have mentioned so far had not shown up yet. Uh, yeah. They show up. Every shows up in four, um, but yeah, Capricorn kind of cameos in number two. And she has um, so the the relic is called the Witcher Sash, and it's a piece of fabric that can it can turn into any other fabric. But the actual power that she goes, so you know people say that Capricorns are, are very materialistic, right? Yeah, that's real. <laughs> that's definitely. Um, <laughs> I mean, I see all the I see all the. I see, did you see how mad you see how mad he got when I didn't share that seventeen cent? That's right. <laughs> right, right. Um, but I couldn't be bothered. But uh, yeah, Capricorn manipulates matter, so cool. <laughs> very, very powerful. Uh, very seemingly very powerful. Um, and everybody kind of has a has a power that makes them seem like, oh well, that's overpowered. Like Aries can't hurt him. Like that's ridiculous. Um, she manipulates matter. That's ridiculous. But like, for example, if you were to like pair those two, um, because Aries is physical, physically unharmable. She wouldn't be able to like just rend him to pieces because she can't hurt him physically. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, there's like checks and balances with with their um, with their abilities. Um, but but yeah. yeah, when you when you came to do this, was there a? Did you write it all down and try to balance them a little bit? I, I know that it it mm. seems to kind of come a little bit from the. Uh, the preconceived notions of each uh, sign, but did you kind of go, oh, well, I can't do this too much because then... Right, yeah, there's there's levels. Yeah, there's there's levels. Like, for example, Bonnie, who's the current Capricorn, um, she's very good with her abilities in manipulating matter, right? But a new person picking that relic up is not going to be able to just, like, you know, Thanos snap you. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, so yeah, there are there are levels. And yeah, there was like in terms of like the using the abilities, yeah, I was very much thinking about this. Like what happens when like cancer who has force field abilities comes in contact with like 
with with like um Queen Amasi who or you know the Sagittarius with phasing abilities uh, mm-hmm. can she phase her force fields or are her is the force fields one thing that her phase abilities can't that she can't phase through you know what I mean um you know like like that kind of thing can can unbiased um, unbiased i do yeah. believe the sagittarius powers would overpower <laughs> that's of an course, unbiased completely unbiased, yeah. <laughs> yeah, unbiased opinion. i gotcha <laughs> so yeah there's there are definitely like those are definitely something and, and, and to be honest all, all of them i haven't completely in stone defined them because some of them are gonna have to uh be decided in those moments like when, right, when those characters right. come across each other in the book you know what i mean um uh, but yeah, there is a there was a lot of back and forth with the with the magic system, um, like you know, as far as the checks and balances, you know, like like Libra can literally either kill or resurrect people, destroy and create things, but she has to do everything in balance. So if she wants to resurrect her friend, she's got to kill somebody, you know. Um, and that's that's so the scales, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. That's really cool. Oh. I wanted to say Viviana's coloring is amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that that's just that's a gorgeous work. Well, I I'm gonna pull that up again yeah. while we talk about oh, it real quick because yeah, it I is gorgeous. It. Yeah, she does. She does an incredible work. Like absolutely incredible yeah, work. It, it is amazing. I, if there's one thing that will always get me to to buy a comic, it's it's that really vivid mix of like purples and pinks and blues, and mm-hmm. that just it brings me in it's like the um the transformers comics mm-hmm. um that idw is doing right now oh like, yeah yeah like i i have absolutely loved that that oh yeah run. and that where they're at there that realm they're not like in that scene there mm-hmm. they're not in an earthly realm they're at this they're in this realm called the last Cove. Um, okay. Yeah, the udyan rashi is yeah. the place in that realm that they're at right now that's so that's so cool it stands um, for like zodiac garden right um but yeah it's it's that place is um it's meant to feel like ethereal you know mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and yeah and so many people have, have like contributed like so like the i the feel of that place actually came from an african artist named bill good friend of mine um bill man i, I was butchered his last name i think it's masaku masaka Casa. he's gonna kill me <laughs> but, but no bill's, bill's a real good dude and uh he did a he did like a mini comic and that was the first time that the last call was drawn into like like visually drawn like i mm-hmm. had it defined before but it wasn't drawn mm-hmm. yet so he defined like the feel of it so the vivi looked at his comic and she was like oh man that looks cool and then she mm-hmm. started she came up with the colors based off of it there's really a lot cool. of collaborative work you know uh, it, it strikes me as like a very vivid and colorful uh hibernia Hibernia? Yeah, Wait, what's like, Hibernia like from? With, with like uh, Conan comics. Oh, okay. See, Conan, Conan is something I never got into. So like oh. that was that was <laughs> over my head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's really color has come so far because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I was reading uh, Ruination by uh, Ryan Biss. Yeah. And there's just magic is color in that book. Right. Uh, and it's just so vivid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you look at the colors in. Um, uh, Bloom Pretty. From, oh yeah, uh, from Lisa Moore. Last, you know, last Ember Press. Last yeah, Press. Mm-hmm. the colors in that are just so vivid as well. I mean, it's and, there's, there's uh, Meraki too. M.K. Oh, yeah. Palmer's uh, mm-hmm. Greek Gods uh, thing that's actually on Kickstarter right now. The color palette is very similar to yours as well. It's just kind of like 
It's gorgeous. And I think she has a new artist for that uh, paper cat, I think, is doing the interior art. Uh, okay. Linnea, I think. Is that, that might be right. I don't know. We'll try to get her on next week. We'll That's see, right. we'll we'll see we'll if she can her. come we'll back. And say, yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't talked to her to see if she can make it. She's, uh, but but uh, gentlemen, I do appreciate you coming, giving her time. Um, I am really excited about the dark side of purity. I'm excited about Scorpio. I'm excited about the Golem of Venice Beach. Um, this will be a podcast, but in case somebody came in in the last 10 minutes and like, what are these guys talking about? Tim, um, you get more than 30 seconds so that you can ramble Go. a little, but, <laughs> but people have been watching are probably tired. So, um, uh, one last pitch on the dark side of purity. Sure. This is a two book anthology of comics, prose and poetry with a team of about three dozen women and non-binary creators taking on the dark side of purity culture, the patriarchy, and all the profits will go to benefit NARAL, which is a pro-choice uh, nationwide advocacy group. Nice. Okay. And uh, John uh, Scorpio, we, we've been talking about the powers, but uh, <laughs> they, let's talk about the comic again for a sec yeah yeah so the project is currently live uh it's it's the debut of number three and it collects volume one which is one through three so you can get uh both the number three floppy and the one through three collected edition if you like um and it's a comic about 12 relics that are uh, affixed to the zodiac sign um and there's 12 protectors over each of these relics which grants them a different ability um and uh it, it follows danny shim who uh, basically refuses the call to the charge of being the uh Scorpio uh, protector, and of course, incites all kinds of mystical level <laughs> uh, drama. So, yeah. And uh, we had the Golem of Venice Beach. The editor was on with us. Um, I, I will say now he's he's gone. I was surprised they said yes about coming on the show. <laughs> I reached out. <laughs> I, I reached out expecting to get no it's response. My family, man, it's just my family. What can I say? <laughs> but you know what? I don't care how the door got inched open. We got in. They were on the show. Um, uh, no, I will say I don't think he was too happy with me rambling on. <laughs> I, I was like, oh man, I'm totally boring this guy. But I, I, I you, you hit on some uh, some sore points. No, I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll rewatch it and see. But I didn't hear a point yeah. where anybody was uh, upset yeah. because I, I think it was. I mean, I, in the comments, you know, Charlie, you know, we messed with Charlie, but he put um, this was one of his favorite discussions ever on Explain Yourself, you know, like because it got deep and it got important and it got passionate. And I can't speak for anybody else. In my mind tonight, everybody really put thought into their words and put put words out there that were important and i am proud to have been part of the discussion so yep. as me you know well, i appreciate I you guys having having us on and yep. um you know giving the spotlight to the project but um anyway, uh humoring me no, <laughs> no humor at all. Well, you just make sure and reach out when band of bards has something else and we will yep. uh we'll do do so again and i'll put you on the press list because there's a, <laughs> a it's a it's a busy year 
Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> that, that's hey, awesome. Um, hey, Chris, definitely let us know when uh, Scorpio continues. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, have both of you back. Everybody back. Now is the time where we go on to the the projects for creators who have already been on the show. Um, Off but, the rails. But there is one creator that's been on the show that is here. Uh, I don't do deep dives. And Will and I have a rule when we launch a Kickstarter, the first show we launch, we do the, the deep dive on our project. After that, we do the little... We'll talk about it quietly, quickly, but it's for our new guests. But uh, Tart Submerged Hardcover is still running. Um, I would love anybody who's still listening, if you haven't backed it, uh, we are trying to make the best hardcover we possibly can of our second arc. Time-traveling demon hunters in the world's most haunted waterway. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, we'd appreciate you on it, and or just uh, you know sharing or or whatever because uh, we we appreciate it. But that's that's all we're going to talk about Tart because I've already done the deep dive. Some guy named uh, Mike, Mike Allred's brother Will <laughs> has a campaign launching possibly next week. Is that? The... Uh, I think it'll be the twenty eighth. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, the crossover division number four should hopefully launch on the twenty eighth. That's, that's so you can follow that at crossoverdivision.com slash ks. Okay, now we warned you guys, and you can hang with us. We would love for you to hang with us, but this is where we talk about the other projects. If yep. you if you're hungry or tired and you need to <laughs> to get out, you can. Yeah. And if you want to hang with us, please do. I am gonna have to tap out. It's a uh... Well past my bedtime. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having me. It was a pleasure, uh, John. To meet you. Great to meet you. And yeah, uh, man, good I'm to meet you guys. Good. good to meet you guys. Yeah, it's almost yeah. one o'clock. So <laughs> <laughs> for me, go, it's almost one o'clock. I don't know what time it is there. <laughs> go, go, go to bed. We're, yeah, we're, have a good one. Will and good luck the rest of the campaigns too. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for um, having me on. By the way, oh, um, it's yeah, our pleasure. Great conversation. This was a good conversation. If you guys can, Tim as well. If you guys can send me your like. Uh, Twitter, Instagrams, or whatever. I would, I would love to follow everyone. I think, Likewise. I, I, think yeah. I found you on there as well, uh, Will. So I'm going to follow you on there uh, on, right, cool. on Twitter, I think. Yeah. But yeah. Thanks, guys. Beautiful. Gentlemen, have a great night. And uh, Shawnee said she also thought it was an excellent and thought provoking show. So uh, yeah, no, we, we love to have, we love to get into where, wherever the conversation goes. And I really think that it was important with an anthology like The Dark Side of Purity to give it its its due with the seriousness that it should be given. You know, we, we, we do we do like to jokey joke on here, mm -hmm. but that's definitely not a uh, not a not a, a book that I think I should be joking around. Mm -hmm. I think some other people can, but it's not me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, John, have a good night, bud. Yep. And let's do it, Will. What All we right, got? You, ready? you ready to roll, man? I'm All ready. right, I'm ready to rock and roll. Here we go. Um, let's see. Uh, the Wolf and I, Waves of Dissonance, uh, ends on June 30th. A, a YA teen um, fantasy. Uh, Krista said it was about two girls that kind of start to realize that the fairy tales they were told as kids might not be fairy tales, but might be an instruction booklet. Uh, she writes and draws it herself, has a magnetic personality. If you can 
uh, meet uh, Krista Crawford. She is just a, an absolute joy to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, Ooh, we had ra- oh, coming up the quickest is Rapture Burgers. Actually, yeah, Chris Hill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a, a comedy ma- uh, manga inspired uh, comic in the um, vein of a teenage a teenager is prophesied to take over the world and uh, basically uses it to make sure that he can get his the burgers he wants and basically screws around in the apocalypse. And it was a comedy <laughs> manga and 300 page volume. Yeah. Um, and that's just the start. <laughs> yes. Chris has got, Chris has got like years of this manga um, coming. So uh, we're very, very, I'm psyched to, to read Rush Reverse because I'm not a, uh, a manga aficionado. So these little kind of, crossover things help me learn it a little bit better no pun intended ah, uh, ah. <laughs> so there it is rapture burgers yeah. volume one i think the next one ending is the saturn effect alpha okay chris volume moses one. and yep. that was our uh, midweek show yeah our little our little our little special uh, yeah chris wasn't able to come on last week because of some wi-fi issues so we we snuck him in on tuesday night just because I, I wanted to sneak him in and i missed you well i wanted to talk to him about i miss you too man Virtual <laughs> <Thank> hug. <laughs> <laughs> um the saturn effect is a uh sci-fi solar system war uh, another like huge expansive world that Chris and his buddies are putting together. Um, there is a web comic that you can actually, I think you can go on a page and find it. We had it. Um, oh, we still have it in there. The Saturn effect.com yeah. <laughs> is his website and you can, uh, read some of his web comic right now. And then you can go to the Kickstarter for the Saturn effect alpha uh, volume one, and you can either get the original comics or a volume, just like uh, John is doing with Scorpio. So that's an interesting. They both did the same, mm-hmm. uh, same way to go. Uh, next up, I think would be Super Heresies. Yeah. And then we've got a few people. We got a few friends of the show that also have some campaigns running that we can shout out again as well. Absolutely. Um, Super Heresies, public domain uh, superheroes. He had created. Um, kind of a team up a league of extraordinary gentlemen type of team up with these public domain uh, comic characters. And then he decided that he wanted to send them out on their own solo uh, solo mm-hmm. missions. Basically he had a six or an eight page short that was finished and he didn't have any room for it. So he wrote like another 26 or 30 <laughs> pages of different stories so that he could get that six pager done, which is, I don't I don't, I, I gotta respect that. That's that's commitment to a bit. So that's right. <laughs> way to go, Joseph Duis, uh, on that one. Um, uh, and then we have uh, Curiouser. We're all mad here. Number one, which is uh, by uh, uh, Lisa and Brant Fowler of Last Ember Press, mm-hmm. which is a um, kind of a dive back into Wonderland. Um, yeah, uh, Alice's son Alec is brought back in. Uh, they kind of play around a little bit, like the Mad Hatter is uh, gender bent to a, a female character, and they kind of play around with that. 
uh, fantasy. Uh, Last Ember Press just does great work, always has amazing artwork. Mm -hmm. And I can say that if you back that and Tart, uh, you will get a free print with your Curiouser rewards. <laughs> uh, Ludovic Soleil uh, drew it up. It's uh, kind of like a playing card that um, if you have it this way, has Tart on top and the Knave of Hearts on the bottom, and you can flip it. The Knave of Hearts is here and Tart's here. So it's a Nice little free print. Uh, you can, it just, but you have to back both. I'm sorry, I don't make the rules. Except <laughs> I did, I did work to make these rules. So, and I'm looking forward to getting that print because that's, yes. that's going to be cool. That's awesome. Um, oh, and I think you said something earlier. I mentioned, on I mentioned, yeah. Oh wait, uh, about uh, you should put tart in more hats. Yes, Mad Hatter <laughs> is really cute in that top hat, isn't she? <laughs> Yeah, no, look at the Mad Hatter on their page. It is it, She is adorable in her little top hat. Right, then um, we've got Meraki. Mm -hmm. M.K. Palmer's uh, shithead Greek gods uh, with a, a very strong LGBTQ uh, representation mm -hmm. in a um, just a, a fantasy uh, adventure. I, I think my favorite thing that M.K. does is she makes sure that there's enough um, representation that all of her characters don't have to be heroes. Mm -hmm. uh, she makes sure that her cast is filled with enough representation that, you know what? Sometimes the lesbian character might be terrible. Mm -hmm. And that was her point was, I just, I want to be able to show as real people with, mm -hmm strengths and weaknesses and i think it's a really it's i i like it as a you know straight way dude i like it as a straight you know a straight adventure book but it's also has some awesome representation and mk is just a solid solid person and somebody that i'm i'm proud to know in this industry oh yeah absolutely and i believe she's starting uh, the a new artist is starting with this issue which is Linnea or Paper Cat, I think, yeah. has done some really great covers, and I'm kind of excited to see her interiors on this. And another book that I have to bring up is uh, Mike Shea does Miskatonic High, and he's been on the show before. He is a early to bed, early to rise <laughs> guy, so I've stopped asking him uh, because I feel like I'm making him not. I'm making him feel guilty for saying no, but he's just too tired to come on. Miskatonic High is a great, fun story about high schoolers who get stuck in Lovecraftian nightmares. And uh, Mike and I, throughout the last three weeks, have been uh, brainstorming and writing something that you guys will hear about a long time from now. <laughs> uh, when we can reveal what it is, I can tell you that Mike convinced me to do it because it is crazy. Um, <laughs> just as soon as I heard his crazy idea, I got excited to do it. So there will be a Toxic Fruit Miskatonic High meetup. Nice. It is different than the Tarte uh, Crossover Division crossover, uh, <laughs> which will also be out there in the future at some point. But uh, I always love to get to let Tart meet other writers, characters, and uh, this will be fun and weird. <laughs> we need more fun and weird stuff. Yep. All right. Uh, well, I got one more for you. Oh, yeah, please. Um, 
producing the end of the world. Yes. Number one, they relaunched uh, from the unsuccessful campaign. I think it was last year. Mm -hmm. And um, they shrunk like it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Not as quite as many stories, not as long. And they shrunk the, uh, yeah. the need, yeah. uh, which makes a lot of sense. And, and I think they're really close to funding and they still have uh, quite a few uh, uh, two or three weeks left, I think, on it. Uh, awesome. I will check, actually. Uh, they got 17 days to go, and they are funded. Yes. Nice. Uh, Shawnee says, fun and weird equals thumbs up. <laughs> I, you know, uh, I can't I can't say any more than it's, it's going to be different than what uh, what we've seen on Kickstarter. Awesome. Very yeah. cool. All right. Well, I really appreciate everybody who was with us tonight. I, I'm very proud of uh, what we got into. We still got to have a lot of fun and be passionate about the books. And we got to talk about stuff that was a little more uh, serious than we always get to. And that's it's fun to uh, it's fun to be serious sometimes. All right. And it's serious to be fun. That makes no sense. Good night, everybody. <laughs>